Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Gina Bianca podcast. We are back with episode seven of our team-based business and salon owner series with my mentor and coach, Michael Yost. He is also the president of Strategies, and he has taught me so much throughout the years about my business. He coached me for years when I owned GBH, and he is just such an amazing resource and mentor. This episode, we're going to wrap up our series and do some team-based business questions. We have a bunch of questions that we gathered from our audience, and we're going to do a speed round of questions and try to give you some amazing value and answer some of the most common questions about team-based business. But before we get started, if you are listening to this episode, and this is the only episode you've listened to in this series, be sure to go back. You can listen to this episode now. There's no specific order they go in, but all of the episodes are available on the podcast. So episode 55 is all about team-based business with the founder and CEO of Strategies, Neil Dukoff, also one of my most incredible mentors. There's episode 57, Fearless Leadership with Michael Yost, where we really dive in and talk about team-based business, what it is and why it's great and some of the pros and cons. Episode 60, we went into the four business outcomes and the four business outcomes have been like my guiding, guiding principles in my business. The four business outcomes, basically what it is, these outcomes happen no matter what. So it's your behaviors and your systems and your follow through that really impact these outcomes to be positive or negative. Episode 60 is all about understanding profitability. You're either going to make money or you're not. You're either going to be profitable or you're not. That's the first business outcome. The second business outcome in episode 61 is breaking down productivity. You're either going to be busy and productive or not. Episode 61, breaking down, uh, let's see. Oh, episodes. I'm sorry. <laughs> Hold on. Episode 60, understanding profitability. Episode 61, breaking down productivity. Episode 65, mastering customer loyalty. Your customers are either going to be raving fan customers and come back or they're not. Episode 68 is all about staff retention, which I believe is one of the most important things, getting people to stay and love your business. And then today, episode 72, we're going to go over team-based business questions. So I hope you've been enjoying this series. If you're a salon owner or want to be a salon owner, even an independent business owner, this series is so valuable and there's so many amazing points and so much amazing wisdom and guidance. So without further ado, let me bring in Michael. Hey, Michael, it's been a while. How are you? I'm great, Gina, but it's always good to be back and talking with you. Always a favorite. So looking forward to today. Love it. Love it. I'm so glad that we're doing this again. And this is our last episode of this series, but it's not going to be our last podcast together for sure. We have to do more because they've been so awesome. And now I I just love connecting with you this much because (laughs) it brings me back. It brings me back. It does. It's it's awesome. We spend more time. If if you knew what goes on behind the scenes, we spend more time chatting and catching up about uh, about what's going on as we do the actual podcast. So it's a lot of fun. We should just record it all. I know we should have recorded. I don't know. Just I don't know. I don't know if we should have recorded that. That was a little, probably, uh, <laughs> probably not. You're right. Probably wild. not. 
Yeah. Michael and I, uh, love this industry so much. So we, we did spend a lot of time discussing so many things going on, so many changes, but this episode is going to be all about your questions about team-based business. So I ended up surveying the audience and getting some really good questions from you all to wrap up this series. And if you ever want to learn more about strategies and team-based business and team-based pay and employee-based business model, that is incredible. I highly recommend reaching out to strategies. And the number one thing that you should do is take the incubator seminar. I've taken the seminar like three times and I, I'm going to take it again shortly. I really want to take it again because I took it every few years and I learned so much from every incubator. Um, incubator is the team-based business model explained from top to bottom and it's online or in person. And you can use my code Gina 10 and use the affiliate links below. I do get credit for the sale, but I honestly, even if I didn't, I've been promoting this seminar for years and years and years because it has helped me so much with my business foundation. So please, if you are looking to learn more about strategies, check it out. There's links below to help you uh, get started and you can always use my code Gina 10. So anyways, there's also a new uh, seminar they're doing and we'll talk about that at the end. So anyways, let's get right into the episode, Michael. If this is the first episode that people have heard from this series and you can listen to them in any order. So you don't have to stop and start over. You could keep listening, but for someone just tuning in, what is the team-based business model? It bird's eye view. Um, I think the easy, easiest way to describe it is when we talk about team-based strategies, we're simply talking about the team that you have that works for you, the group of people that you have that are part of your company that everyone is working toward a common goal. And when I say common goal, I mean, you know, how do we grow this business so that in turn, this business can help each one of us as well achieve our goals. So, you know, this isn't a matter of everyone's in the same boat, you know, uh, with so oftentimes what we get the misconception is team-based is everything is equal like across the board. And the first place we think about is money or things like that. Everything's equal. That's not the case. When we say team-based, it's just, hey, we're all working together to pull toward a common goal. And that is to win the game of business. Because if we do that, then, then the business can help us independently and individually to win as a part of that team. Love that. Yeah. I've actually heard people say, you know, uh, I, if I mentioned team-based or in passing people would be like, Oh, doesn't that mean everyone gets paid the same? Like, no, that's not no. what that means. It means we're all looking in the same direction. We're all moving in the same direction. We're all trying to reach the goal and everyone benefits when the goal is reached and the business benefits. You know, I think yes. that's really critical to talk about too, because um, on my cash flow plan and on my broadband and like all of the things that I worked with strategies on, you know, I had a whole outline of where we're going, what everyone gets paid. And then that those numbers would increase as the company grows. Like yes. you, instead of plateauing <clears throat> out, if the business grows, everybody grows. And that's the goal. 
the business grows, everybody grows. So I think that that's really important too. Um, being a part of a team and working towards a team-based goal or a team-oriented goal, everybody benefits and the business benefits too. And I don't think that's a horrible thing. A lot of people, you know, need to realize like the business has to succeed as well and everybody can grow. So well, that's it. I mean, and I'm just going to jump in actually, Gina, just and say this. I mean, I can even just now when we were talking, it hits me right now. Like you could call this a team-based podcast. Why? Because you and I are working together to try and create a great podcast. We both want the same outcome. We want a great podcast. Why? Because that helps us to educate or inform or somehow better someone that's listening to this, hopefully better themselves, their knowledge in some way, shape or form. So, I mean, again, when you think of team-based, it's just, when you work with someone else to achieve something commonly, that's team-based. And, and, and so again, don't, it, it's not overly complicated. We've got the team thing going on right now. So love it. Totally. I think our common thing is elevating the beauty industry. You know, we Absolutely. want to elevate the industry. We want to elevate salon owners. We want to elevate stylists. So definitely team-based rocks. So let's go into our first question. Uh, the first question is, and these are in no specific order. I just kind of threw them all together. So the first question is I'm an absent salon owner. Can I make team-based work? I mean, the answer is yes. I'm going to qualify it though. And I'd have to ask some more other questions about when you use the word absent, what exactly does that mean? Because, you, because I'll be very clear. I'm going to define it two ways. Um, absent could just mean, Hey, I'm not in the location where that business is, because we do work with business owners that that may uh, be in one state and the business they own is in, is a completely different state. You could say that's being absent. All right. Can it work? It absolutely can. I also will tell you that I work with plenty of business owners that are in their businesses, but they're also absent. And I'm using some air quotes uh, now for you guys. When we say absent, that just means I just don't want to get engaged in my business or I'm absent with my, with my opinion, my voice, my leadership, my guidance, uh, you know, those types of things that can be also absent. So in that world, no, we can't just be absent owners and think that it's just all going to hopefully work out if we utilize the systems that we talk about, uh, you know, as a part of the team-based business model. Is it going to work? No, but no business would be able to sustain absentee uh, mentality and ownership. Now, being in which I think is more the way the question is actually phrased, I'm an absent owner, meaning I'm not in my business, but could this still work for me? The, the, the truth is, or the, the answer is yes, it absolutely can. But it would require, again, the fact that we have still the proper leadership because leadership, you can, you can have leadership from outside sources and don't have to always be on site to, to have to do that. So, but we also would have to make sure that your other, your, you know, you, you'd want to make sure that your other strong, your systems are in place very strongly, your communication systems, uh, you, the way that you make sure that you ensure consistency in your business, that those systems are in place, that you do have uh, some type of a leadership process in place and systems with that. So it can work if you don't, if you're not physically in the site. Uh, can you make this work? Yes, it's work. Don't get me wrong. It's not easy, 
but it can be done. At the same time, you cannot be an absentee mentality type of owner and expect that this, or in my opinion, not just our business model, but really you're going to struggle in any business model that you try and do. I agree with that. I mean, I think that another absentee owner could be somebody who's in the business, but behind the chair and quadruple booked and, uh, stressed out and burnt out so that when problems happen and challenges occur, they're not equipped or happy to help and lead through challenges. I think that absentee doesn't mean like you always have to be in a different state. It could be like, like you said, Michael, mentally, you're not there. Like for me in my business, I was traveling every week, booked behind the chair and so stressed out. And it was like, I needed to really get into a place where I was healthy enough to manage that many things, which I wasn't and really put myself first. So I could be the best leader that I could possibly be. Well, you know, you bring up, I mean, I'm, I'm so glad you said we did, Gina, because you're, you're spot on, you know, we call that a lot of times we it's when I say we strategies, we'll call that office itis. All right. And what we say is we, we, we really try and warn uh, against business owners, especially that they, they don't get office itis. In other words, they don't just sit in their office staring at their screen, at their QuickBooks screen, or at their at their point of sale software screens or things like that, thinking something is going to change because they're really looking at it and they get trapped in their office doing office things, paying bills or doing this or doing that. Um, all those things need to be done. Sure they do. But you can also, and you brought up this point, uh, you can also have chair-itis. You can have treatment room-itis. If you're stuck anywhere and you're not paying attention to what needs to happen and guiding and leading your business in the other key ways, if you're stuck in your treatment room behind your chair 40 plus hours a week, that kind of a scenario, um, you also aren't leading either. You know, so you do, you have to really make, you can be absentee in that way as well. And I think you, 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 you took that illustration that I was giving earlier and again, really made it hit home. And I think I'm a hundred percent with you on that. Yeah. I think that, um, as from just from my personal experience with it, like I would be so busy behind the chair and they would see that and they would be like, I don't want to stress her out with this. So a lot of things went unsaid and mm-hmm. communication just broke through because I was unapproachable because I was over here and like my story I was telling is I'm keeping the lights on, you know? So it really kept, you know, and that was just my mindset of being burnt out and being resentful of not putting myself first, not having booking boundaries, not charging enough and not being able to say no. So I think a lot of salon owners fall into that category and they like, at least a lot of the owners that I talk to and coach, they're just like, well, I'm doing all of this. And I'm just like, who's putting a gun to your head and forcing you to do that? They like to be the hero, you know? And I think it takes a lot of courage to step back from being in that hero standpoint and being a leader, being a hero in a different way. I was going to say, no one does this because they're trying. I've not run into an owner yet that is really trying to do this with the intent to avoid their duties. You know, no one does this with the and with a poor intent. Everyone's doing it, I think, for you fall into this because you think you're doing the best thing for your business. You, this all comes about through, I think, actually right intention. It Positive just ends intent. up being wrong outcome. And like you said, Gina, I mean, and again, such a great topic right now, um, which is just the idea that 
again, when you were in that role, you were going, but I'm doing the best I can for my business and I need to do this for my business. And the reality was, sure, there was probably a portion of that, which was true, but also another portion of that is you also need to continue your communication. You need to continue to communicate, you know, your guidance, your leadership. We need to have time for those as well, because that is also what your business needs. And so you can get in that moment where I, I, when I said that earlier, it wasn't meant to make anyone feel bad and say, I'm doing this intentionally. No, we just fall into it because it's what happens to us. And we still, we believe, and you are, you're doing it, what you believe is for the correct reasons. And I'm not saying those reasons aren't correct, but, but be careful what you're ignoring at the cost of that. Because, and I'll, maybe this will kind of put the period at the end of this sentence, and we can kind of continue because we can talk about this for the whole rest of the podcast. We totally but what I would like say it. is when you protect your business, it protects you. You know, when you protect your culture, your culture protects you. And you need to do the things as a leader that protect your business and your culture, which is sometimes that's through your production. Sometimes that's through your conversation. Sometimes that's through following your system. Sometimes that's through accountability. And all those things need their time onto their own. Totally love that. So the next question is, should we go tip free in our salon? We don't want our clients to determine what we get paid. We want to determine what we get paid. What are your thoughts on tips? Oh, my thoughts on tips. Um, again, let's open up another Pandora's box of a conversation. But no, I mean, it, actually, my thoughts on tips actually really aren't that aren't that complicated. I will say, you know, right now it seems more than ever that the 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 topic of tip free in our industry is becoming uh, gaining a lot of traction, a lot of momentum. Um, I would say this, you know, honestly, at this stage of the game, I don't have an opinion pro or con tip. I can see the re I can absolutely see the benefit to both sides of this, uh, of this conversation. I think the benefit to being tip free is this, is it does unshackle you in a lot of ways from the idea of, again, you're providing a high level professional service, charging appropriately for that service. That should be the benefit and, and, and the, all that your business or that you need to, you know, that should be it. I mean, again, we can go back to a simple illustration is I don't tip my dentist. I don't tip my lawyer. I don't tip my doctor. All right. Because they provide a professional service at a rate. Now we are, and where this has come about is certainly as a tipping industry, we are more in the customer service, I guess, side of this industry, which is where tips kind of came into the where they kind of made their, their way into us, you know, for those that, you know, are still very much pro tip. Um, Hey, I get that too. Um, I can understand that. Um, I would be able to make a stronger case for the fact that, you know, in both cases, here's the fact I'll make is, you know, if you are accepting tips, what I would, the only thing I would tell you to do is all tips should be reported properly and done through the proper way and taxed properly. But then, and the reason for that is not only is that the legal thing that you have to do and you're obligated to do, but the benefit is, the benefit is that also shows up on people's, hey, we're, you know, 
When you get to the end of the year and that W-2, now that income is reported and that's what helps everyone in every aspect of their life, whether they're going to buy a, you know, a new car or looking for a home or things like that, you know, reporting that properly gives you the right thing. If you're going non-tip, well, then you're probably generating that same level of income. But again, both in the end can wash out in positive ways. So, yeah, totally. I love that. Um, I like slightly disagree only because I raise my prices to like 125 an hour and my clients have never tipped me more. Like they never, I just feel like I feel great about what I charge and I get a tip on top of it as a bonus. Like, why would I say no to that? I think people are making kind of a huge deal about it. I do agree with claiming them on your credit card. And I like what you said about like, it does show what you make toward the end of the year, but it's also like for the salon owner, like to see what people are really making in your company is huge. Like to, cause you don't know, like if they're taking all cash tips, um, you just don't know what they're making. So from a salon owner, and I know people do cash and Venmo and all that stuff. Um, that's something that just is going to happen no matter what. Right. But if you, as the owner can look at your, uh, payroll reports and you say like, Oh, Sally, including tips made 125,000. That's a huge difference from 96,000. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's incredible. And then you can see as the owner, like what's really going on and celebrate it with them. Right. You know, because a lot of people get, they, it, money comes and goes with cash and tips and stuff like that. It comes and it goes. So like people don't even feel like it's real. You know what I mean? Cash. So like, sometimes they'll get it, they'll spend it on whatever, and then they don't even count it toward their income. So I think the reporting is huge, especially for the owner and for the artists, if they want to like be qualifying for the nicer car, the bigger house, like all that stuff. But I think that people like going completely tip free, I think that you need to charge your worth. I think people need to charge, add value and do a great job and not rely on a tip because I always will say gratuity is appreciated, but never expected. And sometimes I'll just say the biggest tip you can give me is sending me your friends and family. If they're like, oh, I don't have cash. Can I tip on the card? Like, sure. But like the greatest tip you can give me is sending me your friends and family. Or instead of the gratuity, please get this product. You know, so I always make it like, I don't need your tip. I'm so appreciative. But like, I really want them to like, build. I really want to build that connection with them. So like, I totally agree with both sides of like, you know. Yeah. We like, some people will say, and this was on my power session the other day, Michael. That's why I bring it up. And this is where the question came from, from my mastermind session. Mm -hmm. And she said, I don't want us to be in the same bracket as like servers and um, all of that stuff. And I'm just like, but like, why? Like nobody's better than each other. Like this is really like we're, we do provide a professional service and getting a tip is not a shameful thing. (laughs) I think people make it huge make it in some companies, if they want to pool tips or go tip free and raise their prices and then accept it. If people like really are like, here, take it. Like, I think that's fine. But I think like people make a really big deal about it. Don't you think or no? Uh, No, I do. And, and again, I mean, I, I agree, like said, you know, from again, your standpoint, I totally understand that. And again, from 
our standpoint, when it comes to, as we talk about it from a strategy standpoint, it really comes down to us is like I said, I've got no skin in the game, whether you do or you don't. And I can see the argument for both sides. All I would simply say is, Hey, listen, you know, whichever we're going to do it, make sure you do it the way that is legally required, because that's the important part. But to me, it comes down to on the culture side, it comes down to what do you want to create for your culture? And some go, hey, listen, I'm really embracing this, this idea, which seems to be gaining a lot of traction, this idea of going non-tipping. Okay, is there anything? If you feel that elevates you, then I would absolutely say, absolutely do it. If you feel, and again, Gene, I think you brought up a perfectly great counterbalance to that, which I'm like, yeah. At the same time, you feel like, no, that doesn't fit what our culture is. Uh, and this feels like a better fit for our culture, then fantastic. This isn't something, I mean, here's the moment to say, this is a big, important topic. My only importance is around it is just make sure you handle them the right way, no matter how you do it, make sure it supports your culture, because that's going to help your business regardless. You know, after that, don't get yourself, you got a lot of other things to worry about as business owners that are way more important than exactly what decisions you make on your tipping policy. You know, ultimately in the end, because uh, it does come down to what fits your business's culture. Where do you line up with that uh, ultimately uh, for what the best fit for you is? And again, I can see both sides uh, of 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 that uh, of that argument in a sense. It shouldn't even be an argument, just both sides of that conversation, because you're just kind of trying to say what's the best for my culture. Yeah. And the, a follow-up on that question from the same person who asked this question was mm -hmm. what if you have, so she had team members who are doing like $300 services and the clients are bad tippers. So she wants to go tip free and make up. So they always get tipped in their pay because they're all pissed. And I was just like, do you, cause I was like, gratuity is appreciated, but never expected. You can say it, but do you believe it? Because if someone doesn't leave a tip, I'm not going to hate them for it because I charge what I believe I should be charging. I'm happy with my compensation all as well. That's like the question. It's not, not everyone can afford a tip. Like sometimes I said, I get Botox shot into my forehead every three months, four months, and it's $600. I'm not going to tip on that. Like, I'm sorry. I'm not going to tip. Some people do, but that's the top of my budget for it. Love. Right. And you know what I mean? I love my person. I go back all the time. I refer people, but like, I'm not tipping on that. And like, some people will be like, that's wrong. And I'm just like, well, some people it's the top of their budget. So you have to be understanding and it's appreciated, but never expected. What do you think? Well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to find a different way not to just repeat everything you said, um, <laughs> because I'm with you on that. It's, I think the only angle I would take a little bit different is that that conversation that you started with went wrong for me the moment that you said, well, because they're a bad tipper. Now, all of a sudden, like, wait a second, you know, there's the line. It's like if you're doing this for the reasons to try to make up for something you think is not appropriate, this is where I go. No, 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 no. This is. You make this decision because you think for your culture, it's the right overall decision not to make up for what you view as a injustice in a way. And again, because a tip is exactly the way you describe it. A tip is a show of an appreciation. But 
that doesn't mean that's the only way people can show you appreciation or to your point at the end there. And I think it's a hundred percent, 100% valid, which is for some people where they come to you, become to you because that's their big, this is the thing I'm willing to do for myself and treat myself, but it is at the top of my range. So I'm going to take advantage of that, but maybe I can't leave a tip, you know, again, we've gotten where this gets and I get really kind of angry about it in a way is, is when you have that expectation of something that's like, listen, you know what? You're not owed. No one is owed a tip. You know, we we've skewed it into now suddenly becomes part of when tipping becomes part of your pay program and you depend on that in a way that's when this is where this has gone. You've, you've taken it too far, um, you know, from that kind of approach, you know, and attitude. So again, um, I love what you said. Gratuity is not the gratuity is appreciation, but it's not the only way to show appreciation and your clients might be doing other things too. And maybe if you wanted to go tip free, you could say, here are other ways you can show appreciation. You, you know, can do that. Yeah. That's like wonderful. It should be appreciation, not expectation. Yes. And, you know, and that's it. And I think the companies, because we have a number of companies that have been elected to go tip free, but it's, it fits them because it's what they want their culture to be about, not because they get to raise their prices or make up for some lost revenue in their brain. They didn't do it for the reasons of, oh, if we go tip free now, we can still earn, you know, they weren't thinking about it that way. They were thinking about, we want to elevate our, the way they viewed, and I'm not saying you have to be tip free to perfect, I'm going to use the word professionalism. For them, it was elevating their culture and their professionalism to do that. You can still be 100% highly professional and accept tips, but don't make it, don't go that direction because you're thinking you're making up for some injustice in another place. It's not, it'll, I will tell you right now, if that's the mindset that you go in with, this will not work in your company. It will not fit in your company. You've got to do it for heart reasons and value reasons, not to make up for something you see is a wrong. I think that's perfect. So next question, we're just killing it. We could oh, talk all fire. We could have made a podcast about each one of these points. We sure could have. We can go back and, hey, listen, it's just more stuff for the future. Just a little teaser. We can go back and review every one of these things, Gina. I love it. Um, okay. So the next one is how to hire someone from another salon. So if you're a team-based company and you're about to hire someone whose commission or booth rent even, if you're about to mm -hmm. bring somebody onto your team, what does that look like? Like, can you match their pay? Like, what does that really look like when it comes to doing the healthy thing for your business and also recruiting amazing people? Like say they come to you. I don't recommend sliding in DMS and headhunting people. I no. highly recommend, uh, you know, showcasing your business, showcasing your culture and making it crazy not to work in your place. And then having people reach out to you. I feel like that's like the honest kind and more, abundant mindset thing to do. So I think that, and I'm wondering like, if someone does come to me, they're working in a salon, how do I transition them into my company where they're really happy and it's really good for my business? 
Yeah. So, I mean, the process is actually very simple. Um, I think we actually make it a little complicated. So what I'm going to do is this. I'm going to give you the example that probably we can all relate to. Um, at some point in your life, you probably worked uh, at a job where you were paid uh, hourly at some point, whether it was like a high school job that, that you worked when you were in high school at a, at a, maybe a, a fast food restaurant or a convenience store or even a, a department store or whatever, and you went somewhere else. And you decided to find a job like I'm tired of working at uh, at this particular department store. I'm going to go work at this other in the, in the same area. What happened? You walked in there and they gave you an offer uh, based upon maybe your your abilities, your expertise, your knowledge to some degree uh, that you brought over. But they had their what they could afford to do in, in their range and they made you an offer. And you either elected to accept that or you said, no, that's not for me. It's no more complicated than that in our industry. So for those that are using the team-based business model, when someone comes into uh, a business of ours, what, what that person will say is they know what they can afford to do based upon, again, they've made a plan uh, for themselves from a cash flow plan and they have their financial uh, awareness about what they can and what they cannot do, but they know, you know, when someone comes and approaches them, they know uh, what their pay range can be. And they also take into account the same idea. Maybe someone's coming to them that it might be fresh out of, uh, out of training, out of school. And so that starting rate for that person, because they know what they can afford based upon you know, on their numbers, they know what they can afford to offer that person in an hourly, uh, from an hourly standpoint. But maybe someone comes to them that has uh, experience, has knowledge, has uh, other um, talents and abilities that they want to take advantage of. Can they offer them a different rate? Sure, they can. And they could offer a, a higher rate than someone that might be brand new and, and likes it just fresh out of training. So in other words, it's no different than saying, hey, you know what? When someone approaches a, a, a team-based uh, uh, company, that person, that owner is going to know, hey, I know what I can afford to do for the health of my company. I know what I can afford and I value and how we want to look at the overall person and say, hey, listen, here's what I can offer you based upon you and the overall what you bring to this business. And it starts there. It's simply that's the beginning standpoint. So, you know, easy. Sim simple enough. Yes. Love Very enough. simple. Awesome. So next is how can I improve the culture of my team-based business? So maybe you have um, a team-based salon and the culture is just a little blah. <laughs> that never happens, Gina. Does blah ever happen in cultures? Come on now. Sometimes people can get a little caught up in what they have going on in their life, a little burnt out, a little tired. What can you give advice to a salon owner who wants to energize or maybe their culture's fine and they want to just like have strategies to energize it periodically? Like, what do you recommend? Well, two things immediately kind of hit me. And, and the first would be this. Um, is it something where the culture is overall, or maybe we just got a couple people that are part of that team that might be kind of like, you know, they're just kind of got a little bit of that. We'll just say, I liked what you said, just kind of that little bit of that blah going on. Right. Um, my advice there would be, you know, you definitely don't 
don't ever discount how strong a one-on-one conversation can be with someone because you know that can really help you identify and say hey Gina man I've noticed over the last you know week uh, I've noticed over the past month that man you just spent a little bit off you know just kind of seemed a little bit you know what's up talk to me you know what's what's going on is there anything that I can you know anything that that I can maybe help you with or just what's what you know any challenges whatnot just so a one-on-one conversation that just basically is like hey how can I help or help me just to understand um can really be the first catalyst to, to shift that. All right. And that can shift the culture. Uh, but again, maybe shift the culture because maybe the culture is all right, but maybe you got one or two people in there that you just need to kind of have a one-on-one conversation that goes a long, long way. Now, if you're talking about bigger picture, where I generally find in our experience is this, is that when a culture overall feels like it needs just, it's not quite right. I generally find it's because there's a lack of clarity somewhere in that in the chain somewhere. And what I mean by that is when cultures kind of get a little bit, you know, shaky or they don't feel like maybe it's not even shaky, like it's bad. It just doesn't feel like it's where everyone's pulling with the same level of energy or intensity that we think can be there, where it just feels a little bit flat. Um, it's most of the, most of the time, the reason is people don't really quite understand where the why behind something like maybe that they don't get why we're reaching for this goal. Maybe they don't understand what the goal is there for. Maybe they don't understand why we're doing this particular system or what the real point of that system is or, or why we're, you know, why some of the, uh, accountabilities and expectations are what they are. There's just a disconnect with the why. Because what I do find out is when you get people attached to, if you, when people see clearly why they are doing what they are doing, uh, I tend to, to find that uh, cultures don't go flat on people. Uh, they tend to always have an energy about them and they tend to be something that moves forward. So what I would encourage you to do is look at, uh, you know, look at your business and identify where there might be disconnects around the idea of, I don't quite understand why we do what we do. And um, maybe you try to give people too much to do all at once, meaning we're trying to pay attention to too many different things at one time. And that can lend to it. Just, you know, sometimes you just got to eat that elephant one bite at a time and you get them to focus on one thing. And then once we get really strong at that, then bring in another. I think the most common mistake I see for businesses is. They get all kind of great ideas. They go away to a class. It doesn't matter if it's a class that we have at strategies or just any class. They go away to a class and they hear all these great ideas and they come back and they try and implement 10 things at once. When really, if we started one thing at a time, we could get 10 things done faster and more effectively than trying to do all 10 things in one time. So. Yeah, I love that because in my experience too, like, I would have so many things going on at once that we were focusing on and people would just be like, like there's so much going on. And I would totally come back from a class and try to implement 40 things. Yeah. So simplify. Was, yeah. Simple. If Keep I could simple. give one advice to strengthen culture, simplify. Cause when you do that, people get, they understand what they're meant to do and they understand why just simplify yourself sometimes. And that's going to be enough to suddenly go, okay, cool. 
because everyone comes to work. I'm convinced. I mean, I, I really haven't run it. I mean, there might be a small, small, we'll say there's that 2% of the world out there that might be negative. But I think most people come to work going, I want to do my very best that I can. I want to make sure I'm doing the best I can. Um, but if I don't understand what I'm doing, I can't do it at the best level I could. And that's what that's what starts to slowly kind of make cultures and energies kind of go low rather than stay powerful. I love it. I think like going even deeper into strategies, like things I've learned from strategies, there's the four business outcomes and then there's the eight big drivers. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of things to look at there. Like I think culture, a huge part is communication. You know, we had a little culture challenge at the network over the last like couple of months. And the main problem was this. I felt like we were being too annoying to them because we're their booth rent. So like I felt I was being too annoying and I was messaging too much and posting too much on the Facebook group and too many updates. And we went through a huge change and I was like, well, we don't have to like bother them. So the communication broke. And what I thought was just like being a little more chill, they needed that communication and they were all pissed. (laughs) I was like, I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I was like, I thought we were being annoying. I'm so sorry. So now we just over communicate. And if they don't like it, they could turn notifications off. Like we would never know anyway, but we just want to like be on the same page with everyone. So communication is huge. And I loved in my team-based business, Gina Bianca here, having the powwow every day, the huddle every day. That was huge to keep everybody engaged, to see, get a temperature of everybody on the first shift, you know, like what's going on and to just keep the information flow going. And another thing that we would have like a monthly promotion, a monthly special. And we realized that we had to make it quarterly because it takes everyone a month to get used to the promotion, get used to the special. And then they start like, okay, now I'm going to like start feeling it and like telling people about it. And then by the third month, that's when everyone's like owning it. Because I feel like the first month it takes everyone like two to three weeks just to get comfortable talking about, you know, a retail promotion or a hair promotion. So we started going instead of monthly quarterly, and it was so much less work for us and the promotions ended up doing better. So like just things like that to like help, uh, not focus on so much to increase communication, Uh, and I love what you started with, with a conversation, like a simple conversation Yeah, will go so far. Well, you know, I'm going to go circle back again, because I, I don't think we can, we can emphasize communication enough. And I'm so glad that you gave the example that you did, because again, I want people to understand, and I'm fully 100% behind Gina when she's with what she said is, oh my gosh, Gina said, you know, booth rental on a strategies, you know, when she's talking to someone in team base and all this, listen, the illustration is this, you know, how you elect to do business and the model that you choose is, is up to you, but there are common components that, that we advocated strategies uh, and things like that, that it doesn't, we know it doesn't matter what type of business you have, you have to have these core pieces in place because they benefit no matter what your business is. And, you know, Gina gave that great example, you know, right now about when communication broke down, it didn't matter. It was very clear. It didn't matter whether she's in her current scenario, which is a booth rental scenario. When communication broke down there, 
it broke down and caused that caused negative things to happen in that business, in that environment. It's the same exact way, whether when she was team, you know, in, in, and she had her team-based company or if you're team-based or you're anywhere in between, if communication breaks down, that's when negative things happen. So strengthening that always keeps culture stronger, no matter the model that you're choosing. And, you know, that's the core. And that's one of the key things that we always try and advocate in strategies is, you know, while we advocate an hourly compensation structure, there are reasons why we believe that's the best way to, to work from a, from a pay standpoint. At the same time, you may get in line with that or not, but what we do more at strategies more than anything else is give you the tools and no matter what your business model is, we know these tools, if put in place, will benefit your company and communication is one of them. So great example. Totally. Love it. Okay. We got a couple more. We're doing great. We're cruising. Next one is how can I motivate my team to sell more products? I'm a huge fan of retailing, a huge fan of retailing. Retail used to pay our rent and it honestly here at the network will pay our rent one day. We have at least a hundred products out there. Like I'm a huge advocate of retail and I know affiliates a big thing right now, but at the end of the day, when you're taking care of your guests, educating them, engaging with them and making your professional recommendation and they can touch the product, smell it, experience it and take it home. It's a no brainer. I feel like anyone coaching that retail is like not a a positive thing to have in your business or people who have completely given up on retail, you got to take a look at that because it is still a massive opportunity in your business. So for the owners who do sell retail, how can they motivate their team to sell more products? Well, I think that, so I'm going to, again, I'm going to pick up right where you left off and start there and then work through a couple other things that, that, that hit me. And, you know, the first thing is this, is you were talking about, and I agree with you, you know, sometimes just understanding why we retail, you know, why do we retail? Because I think when people are not motivated by retail, they have one thought in their mind. And that thought is they think they're only doing it for the benefit of someone else. Like they don't see that there's a benefit. So like, well, why should I bother selling? I mean, I, I don't see, you know, or maybe you give out a little retail percentage, but it doesn't matter what it is. They get to kind of go, well, you know what? I, I don't see the real benefit to that. And so I'm not going to engage it. But the fact is, if you really look at it, retail is about a great customer experience. You know, that's where it starts. You know, we don't retail because it's about the dollars. Now, again, the side benefit is that yes, retails are something you do in your company to grow your overall sales, to help you meet all of your expenses and give out raises and give out, you know, or, you know, whatever it is, benefits of some sort or another. I mean, it helps you grow your company and whatever you want to do with that growth financially, you decide what you want to do with it. I'm not going to chase that any farther. You get to decide what you want to do with those opportunities. But ultimately, it's about providing a great customer experience. Because when someone is served well, they are given recommendations about 
why that is. So first place I would start is make sure that my team really understood, listen, this isn't about generating a dollar. That's the side benefit. The side benefit is we get to generate more dollars. All right. But the reason we do this is because we want Mrs. Jones and Mrs. Smith and, and, and everyone that comes in contact with us to have a great experience. And this is how we create part of that as well. Now, I'll go to a couple other things. So sometimes just connecting with why we do it. Other things, and I think that's important, connect again with the why that we do it. Um, other areas that can help grow is, you know, I definitely would say we, you know, I would absolutely set goals because goals give us something to strive toward. All right. Goals give us something to strive toward. And so, you know, again, <clears throat> we don't, Again, within the framework of the team-based business model, we advocate a common goal because we want everyone pulling toward this common goal because if we reach this, then we can all reap the benefit of it. So yes, I do like to know independently how person X, Y, and Z are doing because I want to see if they're participating, but it's not so much about how much they're generating. It's just, are you participating in the process? Because here's our overall goal. And so I think as, as people, the majority of us are really kind of wired like, hey, listen, I want to win the game, you know, and they don't have to be competitive in spirit. You just have to know. I don't know anyone that if you set a goal in front of them, that they don't want to try and reach that goal. Some, again, maybe more competitive than others. But the fact is, you build from everyone's energy. So I'd set a goal uh, out there if you're not doing that. And I would also set a, hey, listen, here's the impact if we reach that goal. Here's the benefit as to why we set these goals. Or it's also all right to start to talk about the idea of goal setting. Uh, we talk a lot about team rewards. Now, this can extend beyond the whole idea of just retail only, but, you know, don't be afraid to put out there. And again, be careful because, again, sometimes we overpromise on the reward and it becomes like, listen, it doesn't have to be life shattering, changing every month. It just says, listen, what is the what's the reward that if we reach our goals as a company, you know, what's the acknowledgement, some recognition, some of the thank you that you can give back as a way that gets us there, because you'd be amazed. It doesn't always have to be a reward. Doesn't have to be okay, Gina. I'm going to give you X amount of dollars as a reward, because you can have financial rewards. And does that work at times? Sure, it does. But also, just a thank you, an appreciation, just a common word to someone saying, "Hey, I appreciate your efforts," can be reward for people as well. So, you know. Get your team motivated by making sure they understand the why. And again, it's a customer service why as much as anything else uh, to me. Uh, make sure they understand if there's a you know set of goal out there, because again, goals keep us focused and keep us driving towards someone. And again, you know, tying in appropriate, I'll use that word, appropriate rewards if we reach those goals, keep people motivated to keep wanting to push. Literally amazing. Thank you so much, Michael. The next question is, we've got two more questions. The next question is, how can I motivate my staff to fill their openings? I can't afford to pay them when they aren't booked. So, you know, here's the motivation word again. Um, and I think I'm just going to go with that 
theme because whether, you know, motivation came up in retail, motivation is coming up here. How can I motivate them to do? Really, the question you need to ask is, how do I motivate my team? And because then if we can get motivation or energy working, right, because motivation turns into an energy and an action, all right. When I say energy, I mean like an action and a behavior to happen. And maybe that behavior is retail. Maybe that behavior is, uh, you know, helping to 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 want to grow and, and fill the book or whatever it is. All right. Um, fold the towels, sweep the floor, you know, help each other out, whatever it is. All right. Motivations at the core of it. Again, I tend to find and we've said this. So hopefully it's starting to sink in because I'm going to give a, a similar type of answer is, you know, Motivation happens when people understand that there's where they can be involved and engaged. And here, Gina, you mentioned the eight, uh, the eight drivers. You know, you you had mentioned that earlier. Here's where I think the eight drivers really come in. And I'm not going to take the whole time to talk about every one of them, but what I'll say is, is that you know, some of the eight drivers that we talk about, one of them is a uh there's information flow, which is all about communication. Another driver is we know critical numbers, meaning, in other words, we know the task that we have at hand and, and we know what that looks like. Another one of those is innovation, but innovation happens with teamwork. All right. And systems is another driver. So we have systems, we have innovation, we have teamwork, we have information flow, uh, we have critical numbers. Those are all drivers. All right. When we think about motivation, I think it happens when. People know the right information, so they're clear on the task. I think it also happens when they have the ability to be innovative or innovation is giving people a place to have a voice in the process. So it doesn't always have to mean, what I mean is it's not my way or the highway. It comes down to there are many ways we could approach this challenge so If I went to my team and started getting some of their feedback around how they feel we can overcome a challenge that we're having, whether that's in retail or filling our, you know, filling our our empty time slots or anything, how can we go a better way? How can we go about doing that? Bringing in and enlisting others' opinions and ideas creates innovation because I can have an idea, but if I, if I put an idea out there, Gina is going to have a different approach to that. And she's going to make that idea better because she had some input into it. And I'm going to go, wow, that got better because I enlisted Gina's opinion to it. Now, as a business owner, that doesn't mean I have to, you know, you have to ultimately go, well, whatever they say just comes together. No, you still have the ability to say, I want to assemble all these ideas into what we're going to do. But giving people an outlet to share their ideas is key. And I think that leads to, Motivation to me is simply, and I'll end with this thought, motivation is when people feel disconnected from the fact that they have any any way to control something that's around them, that's what leads to lack of motivation. You know, I'm motivated when I know I can have an impact or a say in some way, shape or form. It doesn't have to be done my way. It just at least my voice was heard. I can enlist and I can buy in more. And that to me is the the birthplace of motivation. Wow, love that. All right, are you ready for the last question? I'm so ready. <laughs> <laughs> this is a really good one. And 
I think this is where some commission salon owners may live right now in that place of fear. It says, I'm scared to move my commission business to team-based pay. What do I do? And I think that that question, you know, you have a commission salon, things aren't going the way that you want it to go. You had a different vision for your business and you're like kind of stuck in the ebbs and flows of like every day and you want to make the change, but you're just afraid. What advice would you give someone? Well, my advice is to say this, you know, number one, don't be scared. Uh, But number two, when you approach the transition to truly embracing the team-based business model, it's more than just about the pay. All right. It's more than just about the pay. And the other things that you do for your business make the pay easier to transition to. And so what I want to tell you, you know, I'll go back to something I kind of started earlier. At Strategies, we know there are core things that are going to, I'll use the analogy of a, of a car, right? We're all familiar with a car. It has common things that make it successful, all right? There's an engine, there are wheels, there are seats and, and, and such forth, components to make up a car. And every car has them. But if you look out, maybe out your window right now, or you think about your garage, you might have one car in your garage, it's a two-door and it's red. You might have another car that is a four-door and it's blue. You might have a sports car, you might have a minivan but they all contain the same components and made them successful. At strategies and really the team-based model is about saying, make sure you have the components that make your business successful. You still get to decide if you want your car red or blue. So there's still plenty of room for you to decide how you want your business to look, but knowing that you've got a cash flow plan, knowing you have the right systems in place, uh, knowing that you have leadership in place and you're embracing the right things around leaderships and accountabilities, All these components make up a successful company. And when you do those, one of the systems that gets in place is the pay aspect. And so pay comes along and it supports everything else that you're trying to do in your business because it is the reward for the work that we do. That's what pay is. Pay is reward for the work that we do. And so when you talk talk about transitioning and you start to take on the the team-based pay, which is nothing more than an hourly compensation system, it's an easy transition to that. And and the one thing I will say to post just a couple, just to throw a couple of questions out there that you'll have to answer for yourself is this, is in the current pay structure that you have, Do you wish you could reward people? You wish that people could earn more than what they currently are. And are they able to? So in other words, can you reward people the way you wish you could reward them? And a lot of times the answer to that is no. I I do have people that work for me now that I wish I could give a raise to, but on the current pay program that we use, they can't earn a raise. And again, I want to get this really clear is strategies is not anti-commission. We're not anti-booth rent. We're not anti any of that. All right. Those are just in a way kind of ways you deliver pay. What we are for is healthy companies. And we believe that the hourly pay structure is the best way to reward overall performance because then you can look at someone and say, Hey, listen, this is more than just what you bring in. Does that matter? 
And, and can that have an impact? Sure, sure, that's part of who you are. That matters. But so does all the other intangibles, whether you may be a mentor, maybe you take on other responsibilities, maybe it's just how you show up every day and your, your approach and attitude and that you show up to work on time and you work within our time standards and that you fold towels and sweep floors and help us with our social media or things like that. All of those things matter. And so when you think about the idea of changing, moving from commission to you've got to think about the fact that it's not just moving the pay. Because if all you do honestly is change your pay, I would encourage you to not do that. I would tell you, stay with whatever. If all you're going to do is go, I'm just going to change my pay from commission to hourly. Don't do that. That does not work. I can tell you from years of experience working with companies that doesn't work. What works is when you change your model and you start to say, this is what I want my business to be. But it's probably the same dreams that you have, no matter what your pay structure is for your business, whether you're commissioner or not, you know, we all have the same dreams. It's how do we get there? So I, I tell you, don't be scared. The fact of the matter is moving the pay is the easy part. It's building the rest of the culture around it that makes that easy for you. So I love hope that, that answered that question. Yeah, it totally did. Because I, like, I mean, I can say by personal experience, I took incubator and then I didn't want to sign up for the coaching with you guys because I was like, I can't do that. Um, I don't need a coach. And basically like, I have a very hard time, like with, uh, authority and it's not like you were an authority figure, but you were guiding me and I'm like a know-it-all. So like, I literally was just like, I don't need a coach. So for the first, like, oh, sorry, for the first like year of my business, I did team-based pay based on the points that you guys shared in incubator, but without the guidance and without understanding it fully and completely, because I did hear things. I was like, I love that. I love that. I love that. I'm going to go do that. But the other supporting factors around it, I needed the support to do it. And I changed my pay and I can't even, I'm so embarrassed, Michael, because like I used to do my pay reviews and I used to take all the money that they made and divide it up by, you know, I, their pay was based it was an hourly rate, but it was based on service revenue and right. it wasn't based on overall performance. So I could have person on my team who's a total, I'm going to edit myself is a total whatever. And they're bringing in a lot of money, but I'm not protecting the culture by taking care of that because they're bringing in too much money. And then I have right. other people who are great for the culture, but not bringing in a lot of money, but they're the ones doing bad. You know, I really right. think that, uh, when it comes to the team-based business model, you're right. It's if they're only going to change pay, don't do it. Like you have right. to really go in and it does take leadership and it does take time and it does take, you know, all of the things. But at the end of the day, when you look at your business and it's exactly what you dreamed of it to be, and it's profitable and you have a pulse on your business and understand your business, and you've got people there who want to be there. I think that, you know, that's something that we all want as salon owners. So I think that this uh, episode was perfect way to wrap everything up because we went through so much over the past few months uh, about salon ownership and team-based business. And I feel like after listening to this, people are going to get a really good idea of saying like, that's for me. 
you know, or I'm not ready yet. <laughs> if you're an employee-based salon owner, you know, I, I'm not anti-commission, but I do believe team-based is the best way if you're an employee-based salon owner. So I really love it. And I love strategies. I learned so much from them and I'm always here as a support to everybody too, if you have questions or you want to know more, but, uh, thank you, Michael, for all of your coaching and your help so far in my business. I would not be where I am today without you. Oh, my, my pleasure, Gina, my pleasure. Love it. But before we go, um, I know that strategies has tons of trainings for current employee-based salon owners, but I just found out that you guys are doing a new three-day class and it's called solo to team. Is that what it's yeah. called? Awesome. Yeah, solo, solo, to team. solo to team. And it's for independent stylists who are ready to branch off and open up a team-based company. And that was me. I was independent and I stumbled into your, uh, your, uh, place and Centerbrook and I went there to, to buy books and I was so low and I was opening a salon and I wanted a team. I wanted it to be different. You know, right. I wanted to, the salon to be different than anything I'd ever worked at. I wanted it to be a culture. I wanted to be a leader. I wanted to create a place, um, that people can grow and, and follow their dreams. Um, so I wanted to do it right. Um, is there anything you want to share about this course and, uh, what people can expect from it? Well, I think in a lot of ways, you, you just kind of did a great, a great job overall, but uh, you know, what I want to, the only thing I'll add to it is to say, you know, solo team is exactly that it's meant for it's, it's a class that is specifically designed for those that say, Hey, listen, they might, the only thing they might know right now is they've got that entrepreneurial seizure, right. To say, I want to do my own thing but where do I begin and what do I do? And, and man, there's so much that I need to know and be aware of. And that's what Solo Team is created for. Solo the Team is created to, to help guide you and say, all right, here's the things you need to be aware of. Here's the things that you need to start to put in place. Here's the things that, that uh, you know, here's the best way to start to build this, this new dream of yours uh, and that you have, you know, that you've, that you've got. And how do you grow that? And how does that start? How does that turn into uh, your first employee uh, potentially in the second and third and fourth and fifth and whatever, again, your dreams are down the road, but how does this all begin? Where do I start and how do I make this happen? And that's exactly what Solo to Team is about. It's just sharing the right foundations that you can get your business off on the right foot to succeed from day one and not stumble down and make all the mistakes that uh, I as a business owner made when I first opened and many a business owner has made when they first opened. I wish I'd had the guidance that, that we give then because uh, I would have made a whole lot less mistakes. Still would have made some, don't get me wrong. Uh, but, you know, would have been a whole lot, a uh, whole lot less than what I did. So, it is geared for people to get them set up the right way with strong systems, strong foundations uh, to begin their business and their journey as they move from uh, that independent, just themselves thinking about, all right, here's where I am right now, to what it looks like to build a, uh, and grow a business. I love that. And I see that the first session is April 3rd to 5th, and yep. it's online. And there's additional sessions to follow. So if you guys are interested in that, visit strategies.com. I put links below in the description for you as well. And don't forget to use my code Gina 10, because you can save 10% on your seminar. I, I want to take this one. <laughs> can I take this class? Or if you ever need somebody sure. to help you with it, please let me know. I I'm a huge fan 
of team based. And if someone wants to own a salon, I think it is such a wonderful way to build a brand and build a culture. So Michael, thank you so much for this series. This has been awesome. I can't wait to see what we do in the future and take everybody out. Absolutely. This is awesome. This has been a great, uh, again, another great uh, conversation. So love it. Thank you, Gina. My pleasure. Okay, everybody, we will see you on the next episode of the Gina Bianca podcast. Thanks for being here. Feel free to write a review, leave a rating. We appreciate it. And don't forget to check out strategies. And remember my code is Gina 10. All the links can be found below. Hope you guys have a great day. And thanks again, Michael. Thank you.